This is uh, neither a neither a Tuesday nor a morning nor a late one. But that's how that's that is part of as we've talked about. That is part of um, not not running and doing a podcast full time, working a business, being in the trenches of running a business. So we just have to figure out when we can get it in during the week. But I think the one thing I know, not I think the one thing we're committed to is a hundred percent staying on a cadence, yep. filming weekly releasing weekly and as we know podcasts are all about consistency in driving subscribers viewerships and and we mentioned it on last the the beginning of maybe two episodes ago but if you do enjoy this if you do listen if you are consistent with us we would absolutely love a follow a like a a subscriber on youtube spotify amazon whatever um because that just lets us know we've we've got some people that are are staying consistent and it's not what this is about. I think you and I have definitely determined like this is great for our relationship. Hopefully we can give some motivation, some education, talk about how we screwed up along the way. Um, but certainly like that, that extra, is it incentive, I guess? Like knowing people are listening along with yeah, us. Yeah, and it's great to see that. Like yeah, no no human being would disagree. Like we, we all want to be uh, doing things with other people and enjoying it together. Yeah, I think there's a, a motivation internal and then an inspiration. A lot of the conversations that I have with people about their experience of our podcast is that was so inspiring. I really needed that. I was talking to uh, one of our, our great friends, Nicole Lynch, today. And she said, God, I've... I've, I've it's, promise to listen so many times I get sidetracked and and Nicole is one of those badass females that we talk about and I said okay go right to episode 17 you can backtrack for the other ones but you are going to love episode 17 I promise you if you give it the 58 minutes that you will come out ready to run through a wall and then you'll be really uh, inspired to go back and listen to 1 through 16 so that, that 17th one that we dropped I think is some of our, our best work and something we're both super passionate about as it relates to the, the inner workings of, of male and female and, and how we can become a much better country society if we will not just embrace but lean into um, the other the other 50 percent that, that uh, God, we, we, we can't do it without 100 percent of our people completely on board and uh, and celebrated. Right. Not just accepted. I think celebrated is an even more important word than accepted. Yeah. I mean, but reg- regardless of topic, we're just we're just getting more comfortable and and better at doing this. Everything is about consistency and practice. We know that. Yes. It's no secret. Um, so I, I, I the mundanity of excellent ele- of excellence. Of excellence. I sir, we better if we don't look back at this in a year and be like, we freaking sucked. Then <laughs> we have not been doing a very good job of getting better. Like, we right. should look back at this episode and be like, it was horrible. So hey, my, the point I just got, we got off into a ramp. But my point was we are, we will squeeze it in any way we want, any way we can, I should say. Yep. We're very dedicated to it. But it's being on one cadence is hard within our work schedules. Sure. So we had a very interesting, we talk about emerging thought leaders a lot. And we've got a group, uh, a combined APC, TCS, Tegler Construction, Arnold Packaging Group. Uh, it's not just younger employees. It's also new employees coming together once a month 
for breakfast and one person presents a certain topic, usually backed by a TED talk or a video. And then we just have an open discussion about about this particular topic, how people feel. And it's it's two things. I think it's one way to really well, it's more than two things, but one way to really connect with your colleagues and your teammates and open up and be a little bit more vulnerable and talk about things that are not necessarily work related. It's definitely a bonding for you and I. It's absolutely a learning experience where we can learn about our teammates, what they're feeling, what they want. You know, it, for us, if we're not listening, we're, we're absolute morons. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point is to understand your teammates better so we can build organizations that support how they're feeling, what they want, you know, all of those things. So it's really beneficial in, in many ways. Um, but I, It's just a really, a lot of the times we play off of very recent things. And the topics that we talked about is something I think a lot of people would get a lot out of. And um, do you want to, I'm going to punt to you because I've been talking for way too long here. Uh, how, how How the meeting started which isn't really what I, I think we want, how, how what we got into about the younger generation and what they can bring to the workplace, even if they don't quite have, well, they won't have the experience, the wisdom. There's a lot of other things that they do really well that they can bring to organizations and that we need to be aware of and tap. I think that's what we want to focus on, but it's not necessarily where that conversation started. So you want to touch on all of it, part of it. Yeah, I think uh, so. Kaylin did a heck of a job, um, and and usually there's some research that's done on a particular topic, like you said, um, TED Talks, and we started talking about um, the way the newer generations to the workforce, Generation Z, which is a lot of the the individuals in that room, how they learn and and. There were some comparisons and even some graphs and charts that compared boomers and how their lives typically went, you know, working alone versus in a more social environment. And by working alone, I don't, I'm not talking about remote work. I think that's something that I was a little off on. I was was, tripping on that, yeah. When I was trying to sort the data out to understand what we were talking about, it was really just more about, it had nothing to do with being at work versus not being at work. It was not about that. It was about what work in general looked like 30 years ago, you know, when, when boomers, if you will, were were um, running the businesses or the largest part of the population in the workforce. That's a great way to say it. And how they worked versus what work looks like now inside the office. You know, the collaborative component versus being head down doing on inside your own. Inside or outside the office. Um, I don't even know if that matters. But, right? but I'm mean, saying, but it does matter because so many people are working remotely. I, d- I yeah, agree. Uh, agree, but I think what they were really. I think what the general overtone of the the uh, the data was suggesting that there's a lot more collaboration now than there w- in this generation, and they seek it out and and em- em- embrace it. Yeah. Yes, more than head down in in your corner, whether that was an office, a desk, or whatever, uh, and that's really what it was driving to, and then. That started a conversation that talked about learning. And, and the idea was, or what started the great part of the really valuable and, and intriguing for me part of the conversation was how our emerging thought leader teammates experience learning as a kid, right? And, and how their learning was generally 
off of an iPad or a device or some kind where they were given this, this device that really was a gateway to whatever they wanted to do. You know, they could go anywhere on this device and, and it, how it evolved out of being what looked like exclusively entertainment for me as a kid that played Atari. It was exclusively entertainment. And now... Or Pong. Or Pong. Yeah, Pong. I'm holding up to a plate. I played Pong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was cutting edge when I was a child. No doubt. A hundred years ago. Um, and, and just this, this idea of, you know, being able to learn in a very different way. And, and, and that, that really opened my eyes to, to understanding what they were talking about. And then someone brought up the idea that they struggled in school, you know, that school wasn't, and, and by the way, a very intelligent person in the room was making these comments, but how they struggled in school. And I thought, wow, you don't have it wrong. School's got it wrong in that particular moment. And that just brought me into the idea of, you know, we, we had this conversation, then brought it up and said, that's, in, that's so interesting that you say that because as people that are responsible for hiring or adding to our teams, it's so much harder now to be able to identify mm -hmm. aptitude, you know, the old standards of grades, right? What's your GPA? With all due respect, who gives a shit? Nobody really? Gives. Like, who cares? That's such a poor measurement of intelligence anymore that it's really opened my eyes and, and I know your eyes as it relates to trying to understand who people are and what their aptitude is and ultimately the contribution they can make to your organization. And that's the, that's the road that we went down that I absolutely loved and was so eye-opening for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got into all, all kinds of topics, including people right out of high school going into trade schools or and my my thought on this is I love the idea of I'm not against college I'm really not I, I wish it would change but if somebody wants to go to college I support that I would also love if I had a um, we do you know a, a daughter say Olivia if she said to us I really would love to go right into working for somebody right out of high school. I would be thrilled about that. Mm -hmm. I really believe there's so much learning and experiential. And I, I heard on a podcast the other day, this guy was talking, super successful, was horrific at school. And he said if he had any advice to a young person that wanted to just go work right away instead of going to get a formal, as we call it, formal education, he would say go to a cutting edge probably in the tech space startup because you get to see that you're it's small enough where you're in close you're personal you're seeing the inner workings you're working very closely with the decision makers but you also are going to see all the downsides of what they do wrong and if they fail you're young and you don't have many obligations where you can just go do something else i think you could also take that at, i mean selfishly like for i have a young company like working for me or somebody like you that's got while you're a 90 year old company you've got almost a startup in your automation side no, a startup like a startup, startup in, sure. in a tech company so Absolutely. I, I will say for us, it's like young people could come work for us. Hopefully you're not seeing all the downsides. And, but I, I think that's like beautiful advice um, as opposed to I'm not saying you can't get great experience working for an Amazon or an Apple, but you just aren't as close. You're, you're not work. You're not seeing the decisions get made. You're not in that room. You just aren't as up close and personal. So that was something really fascinating to me. And, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, that's that's really good advice. Like, I, I think I would give the same advice when I look at what I learned 
in college, it wasn't what I learned from sitting in a lecture. It was what I learned from being on the soccer field. It was what I learned from the relationships with my teammates and people. Like that, that's what I got out of school more than anything. Right. And, and, we're in, and, and now that we're in the people business, you, it's very obvious and evident how beneficial that was in having that exposure and, and you know, coming from, from parents that were incredibly social. You know, they were very active and generally had other people around. So there were lots of opportunities to, to build those muscles, the communication muscles, the ability to understand people and, and hopefully communicate with them better because you had exposure to a wider range of people. And, and unfortunately, at least in the way education works now, that's not a component that's that's as valued or at least it doesn't show up in in GPA and I'm, I don't even I'm so far away from school now and and um, and like you trying to figure it out right is as, as far as how to how to value um, incoming candidates and and what right looks like and and it sort of Engineering and accounting, there are definitely certain components of career and, and career readiness that are that are still mandatory. You know, we were in a room full of engineers, you know, of three of our ETL teammates yeah. are engineers. Or, or doctors or, doctors, you know, you got to go to med school. Accountants and lawyers. And yeah. yeah, there are certain pieces absolutely positively. Our daughter wants to be a veterinarian, right? I mean, there's very uh, clear cut clinical, if you will, um, but components of that you. that have to be there. For for Brooke, who is our daughter that's going to be a veterinarian, do you think she's getting more experience from being in the clinics, from being, she's got three jobs. If you asked her, which we're going to ask her, what she learns more from, doing her work or being in school, what do you think she's going to say? Um, I, I, I would I imagine she's going to say that. And she's really academic, though, so that's also. No, but I, I think she was going to say that um, neither would be as valuable without the other in that moment. For, I think if I was experiencing what she would, like our, our, we could our automation team. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't answer. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I would text her, but she wouldn't answer either. I hope you're listening to this, Brooke. Um, that she would say that there's a connect the dots component of it where there's that clinical and classroom component, but then she gets to go and deploy that in real life working in the clinic or on the horse farm or in the pathology lab where you read books about blood slides and then you go watch the cells in action on a blood slide. So I would I would think she would talk about a connect connecting the dots component of that, which is what we talk about a lot around here in any number of situations where I'll say, you know, you're going to have to have a little bit of knowledge here. Otherwise, you won't have any ability to connect the dots. So I think that's important. And, and I think that's what she would probably say as it relates to what she's getting out of one and the other and, and getting all of that to be congruent. And then she can hopefully deploy it in a very effective way. We're going to find out. Yeah, we are. We, we, we definitely will. It's interesting because when I'm looking at candidates, and I, and I have been recently, we're, we're bringing in new talent now as we grow, uh, more ferociously than we have in you know this whole seven years in the last year and we'll continue to do that and I'm, I'm thinking to myself when I've had the last three hires I've had across the table from me I don't think when they sat down I remembered where they went to school or even if they went to school I knew what they did experience wise and who they worked for because I was looking for 
Two of my hires I was looking for newer to the industry, but still had a little bit of experience. One of them I was looking for someone to come in with experience right away. So that was, I, I could tell you what they did and where they worked. Education, I'm not sure I knew when they sat down. So I just, I look at it way differently. And maybe, maybe it's because that's how I learned. And you know that you're a visual learner, right? Oh, yeah. I actually don't I'm dumb dumb me maybe I just don't get introspective enough on this I don't really know how I learn like if you ask me what way do you learn I would have a very hard time telling you I'm not sure but the more I think about it I I have to like be in it and do I could I could even watch you could show me something I could I could watch but it still doesn't resonate with me completely unless I'm in it and doing. I have learned so these last seven years of being in my business and doing, I have learned way more than all of my years of education, not even close. And I think it's because th that is how I learn. So maybe I am, for lack of a better word, judging the person sitting across from me from how much experience did you get because I equate that to learning. Could, and th that's not necessarily right, mm -hmm. but that's just how I, I have learned. And so I'm like, well, if they've got a, a lot of experience, they've probably learned a lot too, Yeah, and right or wrong. And that, and I remember that's, that, uh, that, that got a conversation going. So um, our, our younger teammates were talking about, for example, having grown up as digital natives, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, Google and, and searching for things. It, let me back up and say it differently. When the need for information arises, this was interesting. Yeah, their approach is completely different, right? It's the idea of going to Google or YouTube, right? Number one and number two search engines in in or on Earth is is muscle memory. It is completely part of their psyche as it relates to informational availability. Where some of our older, more experienced teammates. That doesn't even occur to them. It's just not ingrained that way. So, case in point, one of our uh, one of our favorite teammates said, "I really didn't learn nothing. I really didn't learn anything in college." Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. And and one of our brightest and most capable, and just went on to add on to that and say, "What I've really learned is the the human component, and I've figured out." where I fit in in the organization by helping people get where they want to go. And it might be as simple as... Well, she said, she said bridging in the gap. Bridging the gap. Which I can't let go of that because... Yeah. And we'll get... It, I, I want to get into this more... Yeah, a which, little later. But. Yeah, she, and she did. She said bridging the gap, and and the, she meant between generations. Really, she did. Yeah. The specific example she gave was one of our older teammates had a question and presented it to her, and she immediately went to Google, oh. the same Google he had access to on his computer, and presented the information back to him, <laughs> and then showed him and talked him through something else that he was no, struggling. One of with. them was a Fitbit. So someone someone had a Fitbit and didn't knew a little bit about it, but didn't know how to like couldn't download get, couldn't particular. Get it synced, right? Couldn't get a sync, like stuff like that. She's like, I'm going. One of your um, one of your guys that has been here a while working in, in the back didn't know would write everything on paper she showed him how to translate I mean translate that to email and if you haven't done it you haven't done it. I mean that sounds trivial to some people but if you've been doing the same thing for 20 years yeah. so coming in and being somebody that can just bridge that gap or be a liaison like that is such a value add to a company yeah no absolutely and, and she doesn't have more more wisdom or knowledge all these people have 20 years more industry knowledge yeah but she comes in and immediately maybe consciously maybe unconsciously but identified a value add role she does a lot more than the bridge the gap clearly sure but she's very good at what she does and has a lot of 
industry knowledge too, but not as much as them. So she comes in and identifies like, I can be really helpful here. And then also on top of that, I mean, talk about team, um, the, the rapport that that establishes with your teammates and the trust and everything you're looking for and building a culture as an employer. Yep. And that got us on to, I think you asked the question to the group was stop and give it some thought for a moment despite being new to business and the business, yep. what can you add? And that was on the back of, of Lynette's comments. What, you know, what can you add, you know? And, and, and one thing I added to that, and I said, I said, because one reason Mick and I really want to know this is so we can, I don't know if you and I necessarily do as good a job, I know we don't, of leveraging what you guys are really good at doing because we simply don't know and they could be sitting in a room thinking well I could freaking help with that but we don't know that right. so that was this is selfishly for for us to take and execute on right it, it, yeah the simple answer was uh, one of one of our uh, teammates said I can find things right and then and because of growing up or having been associated with those search tools just like Google um, the ability to find information the investigative and research component that they're very very good at um, is something they can add value immediately to any number of parts whether it's you know, guys on the operations teams that haven't had that exposure simple things like email learning to communicate more effectively and all of that you know it, is personal productivity. You know, the guy sending an email versus, I promise you, if he wrote it on paper, he walked it up to the front. You know, all of the things that, that go into that. And that spurred the conversation around the types of information that are out there. And proprietary being some of it. You know, what we do in certain spots is proprietary. You're not going to find it out there. Certain things that we make or certain things that are very industry-specific could be about working with a machine, programming a machine, certain techniques that we use in packaging to make the things that we make. Those are proprietary. So that's going to be, those will be situations where some of those newer, less experienced teammates will have to lean heavily on someone with more experience. They're going to have to go find and get their arms around that proprietary information where their contribution back to the organization can be in helping to master or identify or investigate all of that information that's not proprietary and that's really what it came down to and and the general crux of what they could really contribute is helping to harness availability of some of the information that's less proprietary what i found very interesting was not so we're talking about the ability to use technology but that wasn't necessarily it it's the ability to know what to ask when you're using the technology or how to utilize it. And someone made the comment, my mom and I could be looking for the same information, but what she's going to ask versus I'm going to ask are two different things. And I'm going to get from A to B much quicker than she is. So that's so true. It's not just about, no, I could know how to use Google and so could someone else, but they could be way more efficient at getting the information they need, extracting it quicker. And that leads to the next point. Okay, so what can that Gen Z, Gen Z, and also millennials, I mean, it was, there were very, a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. Another advantage bringing to it, uh, so they don't have to go to, as we were talking about, go to somebody else, disrupt them while they're doing their work and say, hey, John, I need to lean on you and your experience for something that's not proprietary and teach me this. They can take three minutes to go find it themselves. They don't have to go disrupt somebody else. Then all of a sudden it's, it's more productive, time effective, time, uh, time, time efficient 
than anything else. Like they're not wasting extra minutes trying to find it, disrupting somebody. So that in itself is a huge advantage for a company. And then the other thing we started to talk about was you mentioned you were, you were hitting on a lot yesterday was proprietary. So I cannot go, I cannot Google how does Arnold packaging do this, like this very specific thing. Someone that's new to your organization has to be in it. They have to see it. They have to be hands-on. They have to experience it, which I love because as we were talking about, I, I love the fact that somebody can sit behind a computer here remotely, wherever you are, learn, add to the organization. I also love that it's required for an employee that you have to be in the office too with the people learning hands-on. And the second that's no longer needed, it it worries me because what happens to the relationships that we value so much? Is that ever going to be replaced? Could you ever sit remotely behind a computer and learn everything you needed to know? Probably not. I mean, but I, I don't know. I mean, things evolve and change so freaking quickly. But maybe this is just the old person in me speaking. I, I love that we need both now, that they're both so critical to the success of an organization. Yeah, I think it would come down to how much of that proprietary information is communicated directly and how much of it's communicated indirectly. So if you, know, if you are remote, for example, and that proprietary information is communicated very directly, then that's fine. That would work, right? You would get what you needed. But I would suggest around here, there's a tremendous amount of that proprietary information that is communicated by happenstance, osmosis in spots. You hear it, you overhear it, you see it, you get to physically participate in it, or you see a demonstration of it. So I would say depending on how much of that proprietary information is moving indirectly is going to have the biggest effect on how fast you get up to speed and can be effective as it relates to your organization. So I would imagine that that industries or companies that have less proprietary information, I don't know what that is, right? What's a level of, or, or I imagine all companies that are successful have a certain amount of what I'll call secret sauce. And if that's what proprietary is, then the more secret sauce it takes to deliver your differentiator, the tougher it's going to be to get indoctrinated into that organization. And I don't know, maybe some of them are amazing at having all of that proprietary stuff under control and and able to spoon feed it to their newer participants and and their newer employees. And there's no drop off regardless. I don't, I don't, I don't experience us to be that way. I think a, a decent or significant amount of that proprietary information is moved indirectly in and around or for being around or listening to a conversation, um, watching something. I think a lot of that is moving indirectly, which would have a huge effect on where you are. Yeah, I think I think I'm about to debate myself <laughs> I love it. and be on the favorite. other side it's of the table favorite. because as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, I think I think it's really industry specific because for what you guys do, I, I do think a lot of it is required to be in the back with your manufacturing and your distribution. But for what I do, like it's, we, we aren't making things. We are not a manufacturer like you guys. You're making things. We're not, we're a distributor. So 
as as I bring new employees on, we're really lean. I need to figure how to indoctrinate them or get them up to speed quickly. So I've been identifying new technology to be able to do that. One being, I don't know if it's new, but I just identified it's new to me, Looms. Mm -hmm. So it's the video where I can take them, I'm, I'm giving them tutorials. You also, so I'm going through the screen and showing them how I'm doing stuff, but also I'm talking on the side. So, and, and I can send, so anything I want to do, it's like a video tutorial, but also very personal because I'm also talking in the corner. I'm pointing things out. It's also, you get um, captioning, all kinds of stuff. And I have used, utilized that to spoon feed it and whenever they get a chance whenever they're coming up with that task and they don't know how to do it they can pull that looms video up and watch it so that's certainly a technique where if it's something specialized to tagler where they can't just watch a general tutorial online they can pull that up um so i mean there are certainly ways to do it but my my other argument maybe that's a little bit more collaborative sometimes but not really i mean they could be watching a video that i shot a year ago, mm -hmm. but it's a really good way for an employer to capture all this content. And even if it's proprietary stuff too, where you've got this like a library of content, you onboard and they're just going into these Lumos video and, and learning themselves. I, th I think even better. I think the, the proprietary components are what make Loom beautiful. That's exactly the type of things that I believe you'd want to get into that platform and make available, right? I mean, I think the proprietary stuff is beautiful for that platform. But then, I mean, <laughs> you're going against what we're talking about here is in needing to be in the office working with people. And I, and I, I think we're coming to the point where you probably don't no, learn everything proprietary. No, I, I'm not. That's not where I'm going at all. Where I'm but, saying, but it's a fact. What I'm saying is that because I've had a lot of thoughts about our training priorities since we had that meeting the other day, and really just the idea that we should be very intentional about understanding what parts of our business are proprietary, and then once you do that, then I think the next step is to identify the most efficient ways to deliver it. So what I'm saying is that I think Loom, had, for example, there's lots of platforms like that, but I think Loom for certain proprietary components is a beautiful platform. And, you know, if, if you're in a business that doesn't have a manufacturing component or a maker, then maybe Loom handles all of your proprietary needs, and that would be fantastic. Or scary, because <clears throat> then or, you don't need to collaborate. Or scary, yeah. But, but I, 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 again, I... I, I wouldn't think that just because that would be information and only information. I think there's on other benefits to the, the presence, but it's it's completely changed my thinking, or it's um, it's maybe consider my thinking about how we train differently. I never stop to think about, <clears throat> excuse me, segmenting information between proprietary and non-proprietary, and how to lean into delivery of the proprietary components that are part of the secret sauce delivery of Arnold Packaging or Arnold Automation? I think, at least, I, I'm using the term proprietary way too liberally, or maybe incorrectly. For me, it's not proprietary. For me, it's just anything that is special to, to our business. That's exactly what proprietary is. Yeah, okay, <clears throat> but I, I, I think I, I would look at it differently. I think if you look up the definition of proprietary, either way, I don't know what the, de the formal definition, that's what I mean. So just something that's, even, even if it's a mainstream construction protocol a little nuance that we have on it inside of our we call it taylorizing it mm -hmm. inside of our business yeah i think i would just use it so just to just to get this out for everybody who's watching i would consider proprietary things that just generally weren't available everywhere else right mm -hmm. that, that you wouldn't easily find the thing i was thinking about too when you were talking about 
um, Melissa who was talking. Melissa who was talking about how she she and her mother Google something and she gets there much faster. There's something that occurred to me and I've always said along the way, um, it's easier to ask than think. Mm-hmm. And that and I would say that in a very frustrating way. When I would be out in the field for a number of days, I'd come back and sit at my desk and I would find this endless parade in front of my door while I was there. And I thought, oh my gosh, like it hasn't stopped. W- were you holding these questions for me? What were you doing in my absence? What if I never came back? What was gonna happen with the answers to these questions? The, the This group or these younger individuals willingness and really just just second motion to go look, right? It's the exact opposite of standing in front of someone's door. They would attempt to figure it out using all of the general information that's available. And then when they failed and still didn't get what they want, then they would come and stand in front of the door. Mm-hmm. And that could actually be viewed if you if you didn't if you didn't consider it that could actually be viewed as a a lack of engagement like how come no one stands in front of my door anymore cuz they're using all the tools that they have to not waste your time and not waste their time that's a beautiful thing so we, but it could be looked as a lack of engagement and but that's, that's what we were crazy. just talking about not 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 having to disrupt somebody yeah. because you figure it out that figure it out factor that's my point though imagine yeah. that you never came down the hall and stood my and stood in front of my door yeah. i'd be like what's what, what's wrong with what's wrong with Brit? she never comes down and engages yeah. anymore meanwhile she's just over there being productive as hell, which is actually what I want. No, I'd be ecstatic about that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, if you tied them together, you would. Yeah, exactly. So where was I going? Yeah, and, and I think every everybody just wants to shit on the younger generation. They hide behind technology, uh, but that's that's such that's so not true. That's true. such oh, a yeah. negative way to look at it. I mean, bringing in young people to the organization can, can do. We need all kinds all generations, all people, but they have so much to bring. If we focus just like on any other generation that has their struggles and we focus on the negative, yeah, we're going to find it. But if we look at everything they can bring to the table and I don't, I don't even know that we identify or utilize as much as we can, but it's so, I I don't just want to be, we we all know the younger people are better at technology. Like, duh, they grew up with that, of course. But just beyond that, beyond just leveraging the technology, what can they do? And that's why Lynette's comment about bridging the gap was so intriguing to me because that's taking it one step further. That's taking it while because I know I have this skill set, I can bridge the gap between my my teammates or something that they do that they can be better at. So that's what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for, we know the technology, we can deploy it or we can, I was looking for more. And that's what why I love that answer so much because it was one of the few I felt like that was beyond just utilizing tech. I know that if, if I, if we've got, if we're looking at utilizing technology, I know who I'm going to, I do that. They can, I know they can help, right. but I want more than that. Sure. I'm trying to think of some of the answers. Uh, so in the general technology piece, the bridging the gap piece from Lynette was, was, uh, was, was next level. It was like, ah, there's like a super aha moment for us. I, I think one of the things I, I was taking a different angle on it. And I said, I think one of the things that your generation, your collective generation can bring to the table is the ability to level the playing field. And I want to extend even more than I said in in that meeting. So what I meant by that, and we've talked about this before, is that 
there's a lot of, for I'll, I'll talk about construction, my industry. So there's only 11% of construction is females. And a lot of the reason for that is in the past, you were in the field, you were relying on brute strength or the ability to, you know, to use your, your body, your physical body to perform these tasks. Genetically, males are stronger, you know, and so the advantage was did go to males. And you could probably put that in the manufacturing space if you're on lines, if you're carrying heavy, whatever that looks like, but there are similar industries, similar. But that's slowly not becoming an advantage anymore because add in technology. We have been able to input technology in places where we're not relying on brute strength anymore or or, or the things that would give one gender an advantage over the other one. So all of a sudden, this generation is coming in with in a position where it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what body parts you have. Like you can go in and perform and make a difference immediately. Like that playing field is level. Taking that even a step further, you could talk about, well, I'm, you know, Tommy is new here and he doesn't have the wisdom, but he's much faster at learning because he knows how to use all the tools. So that learning curve is going to be expedited where he could come into a company and be there for one year and know as much as Sally, who's been there for 10. Mm-hmm. So just just that there, there's I don't there's no disadvantage anymore. All of a sudden, like you can be competitive immediately with the tools that are coming out, which is so exciting. Yeah. And that got us into a conversation because I, I remember, you know, our last podcast and we started talking about that was the one we were talking about males and females and, and, and being very intentional about leveraging our entire, our entire population base and talking about, and and we've got two very talented female mechanical engineers who are programmers. Like they, we just had customers in here and they ran the demonstrations of robots moving products from point A to point B, which is exactly what they were supposed to do. And we were talking about trades as part of the conversation and how some of our our younger teammates had friends that decided to skip college as their choice and go directly into the trades and what the outcomes were. And that got us onto a conversation about, you know, capitalism and how money is going to flow and affect that. I mean, it will be there. There's just certain jobs that are no longer attractive that no one wants to do that have to be done. Right. And, and manufacturing and construction are two big industries where that's happening all the time, where people don't want to, you know, the newer, younger generations may not be may not be interested in working on a production line or, or doing some of those more manual tasks that would happen in manufacturing and construction, but they have to get done. So we talked about the trades, right? You can make a hell of a lot of money as an electrician or a plumber. And that's simply by virtue of the demand for those skills has not changed, but the supply has come down significantly. It's just economics 101 that will never change. And now we have all the demand and maybe even more. If you look at all of the things that's going on in electrical and smart homes and low voltage and, and your garage door talking to your coffee maker, that demand actually could even be increasing, not decreasing. We know supply is absolutely decreasing. So the pay and the, the, the payment for being in the trades is is higher. And now for us to be able to compete in manufacturing, we're going to have to rely on robotics and different things. And now when it comes to programming, it doesn't matter what your gender is in that, in the, in that moment. You can be anything you want to be. And if you are better at 
teaching that machine to do a job, then you are of incredible value and command compensation that is commensurate with that value. And that's that's something that's leveling all of this and this this learning component. I was I was talking to um, you know, James, one of our newer teammates, has been kind enough to run the uh, run the podcast. We have a guest producer today, James James Dugan, everybody. <laughs> um, and and in talking to James, I mean, it's amazing. The number of sales calls that I had to make, for example, over the years to get into these manufacturing plants and and visually, personally see a production line or how things were being made, I can give James 12 manufacturers' names and turn him loose on YouTube, and he laughs at me because I call it jumping down the rabbit hole. But he can go and start bouncing from manufacturer, watch more videos like this. But if you're willing to spend a few hours, you can see anything made that you want to see made, either a video from the company that is the is doing the automation of it or the P, or the company that's making the thing using the automation and got that ability to learn and consume and talk about closing the gaps where my 30 years of experience in going from place to place James can catch up to me at light speed and saying, oh yeah, I know how that's made because I watched a video on it where I had to personally go and experience and collect all of that detail myself. Which good good and bad at both good good it expedites the learning curve and any young person that's not doing that won't be the best they just won't no not exclusively well they they will not compete with the top tier just won't uh but you don't generate the relationships that you inevitably generate that's true but if i had a choice if i could go back and do it again we talked about with brooke that connect the dots moment so my job now is is to send james down the rabbit hole of fanic robotics and then when he and i go into the field together and then experience fanic robotics there's going to be a dot connecting event that's going to be way more influential than the way i had to do it that's the component that i would have valued so much like brooke for example being able to tie her clinical experience into working in the pathology lab Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's what i think right looks like it is there but there is something to be said about learning from a a person i mean people want to teach and you you build this certain relationship when you're teaching someone else um i mean that's just the reality but i but i totally agree i mean if you if you're having to choose between the two where where are you gonna go i wouldn't you'd want both right i mean i'm gonna teach you no i mean no no no. i i mean the way you had to do it or the way james can do it yeah yeah Yeah, my job will be to teach the nuances right and go back to that word proprietary again the the pieces that you're just not going to pick up um having limited information on the topic that was the other part we talked about our meeting the other day you know it's hard to know what to google if you have no freaking idea what you're talking about at all. You don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can at least say, okay, start here. here. Here's these 12 manufacturers' names. Now, you you go get dirty in video land here, and then I'm going to take you to the three-dimensional world and teach you the, the nuanced and proprietary components of this, and hopefully that'll tie it all together for you. Yes. And let's be clear here. We are, we are not suggesting that the younger generation is better or that that's only what what we're seeking or anyone else should be seeking inside of their organization there is just so much wisdom and experience and leadership and other components to somebody that's been in the industry a long time and not might not might not be as technologically savvy right every person that comes into the organization is valued in a different way. We're simply pointing out, I'm not sure we're always talking about 
and celebrating the what the younger generation can do. And by the way, if you're if you're an employer listening to this, so I'll, I'll talk about myself. You know, I'll, I'll, for me, I'm 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 a millennial, so I am I do know a lot about technology. I don't know as much as somebody that's in their twenties, certainly, uh, especially like young to mid twenties. But I, I, I know I do know a lot. So I'm in a interesting position where I grew up on a technology where I'm 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 very good at it. And that could lead me to be a little bit naive or not naive cavalier in thinking that I know enough. I know how to utilize it and make our company great. And because you've got to adopt the technology, you're going to be left in the dust. But I, I really want to be conscious about not doing that. And that is going to mean, not exclusively, but somewhat relying on those younger teammates to bring the new stuff to the table and listen mm-hmm. and not be a hard-headed asshole that just thinks you know best. And and I think you're better equipped to do that because of the generation. You you know what you don't know, whereas a, a millennial, I could, I could pretend that I... I know enough, right? And I don't. Well, I think that's where it's important. Business one hundred and one conversation. That's where it is so critical to have all of those alliances in play. We were talking. We had a, a visit from the National Association of Wholesalers, and one of the big takeaways. So I'm like, all right, what's what's the benefit or what's the attraction for me to be part of this? Well, one of the attractions was they have a component that's out looking at cutting edge distribution technology, mm-hmm. right? So those alliances become so strong to make. Make sure that you're not missing the opportunities. And and for me individually, we have 800 customers that are really good at what they do. So by being able to go out into the field and watch what they're doing, you wouldn't necessarily consider that an alliance. But I get to watch, you know, the biggest and best companies in the 90 mile radius, blue chip organizations, do what they do and think, huh, that's that could work at Arnold Packaging. Now, sometimes I get back and when I do the investigation, it's not affordable yet, right? That's one thing that does happen where I go to General Electric and I see this this technology. And it's like, oh, my, that's amazing. And it's not it's not to the point where it's affordable for a company of our size, but I'm aware of it and, and I'm watching it. it. Yeah. And I'm watching. I know that if, if it does actually take effect or take hold like AI in any number of spots, the cost curves will continue to bend and then we will be able to afford it at some point along the way. So that's where those alliances are critical in making sure that, you know, you don't, you don't miss the ball uh, because you're so, you're so head down on doing what you do. Those alliances can really keep you out of trouble there. What I'm hearing is adopting best practices from, from other organizations. Yeah. And so younger employees and, and relying on, or collaborating is probably a better word with them. And then uh, alliances also if you're looking coaches consulting i think the whole business coach like that can you know how we feel about this <laughs> I'm watching, i mean i'm watching you grimace in pain as you even form the it's words such bullshit so much and so overplayed and just but if you not not in all scenarios we are big i am big fans i mean you have a business coach who i do is yeah. i'm i'm not going down that road because we'll be here for another freaking day but I think if you identify the alliances or the coach for that specific reason, like I need help here. I'm not afraid to say it. You know, we've been meeting with 
podcast consultants that can help us in certain parts. We don't know. We run businesses. We don't do podcasting. Certainly our producer, Tommy, is really good at the film aspect. That's what he does. That's what he knows. But anything post-production, like we know nothing about. We very we do very little things as as a hobby. Like we want to be really good at it. We're committed. Like this is we treat this just like we do our businesses, very yeah. much so. So we are looking for and identifying a potential partner who can teach us specifically post production and how to do that on the podcast side. So if you're very aware and identifying it, then like those those relationships, connections, mentors, consultants, alliances. That's all part of this as an employer. Like you have to lean on those. If you think you can do it yourself, you probably won't have a business in five to 10 years. Well, I think bringing this back to our original- Not a competitive one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe not profitable one. Yeah. Uh, So bringing this this full circle, my my big, the aha moment for me was, and and I think I even phrase it as a question sometimes as I will when I'm trying to get input from our, whichever teammates, but this room in this day was- while I don't, you know, someone knew the organization, while I don't have a lot of proprietary knowledge yet, I can still be incredibly um, valuable to the organization because or by, and what would you fill in there? And we filled in a, in a bunch of those. And this is another one of those, right? I mean, your younger teammates can be working on things, right? <laughs> if, if you don't know about it yet at all, clearly it's not proprietary to your organization. So there's a component that they can fill to be out there looking for, helping to identify those best practices, even though they don't have all the proprietary. What if they actually looked at an industry next door or, or tangent to your industry and said, I don't know, but over there they, they do that. And you'd be like, holy hell, I never even stopped to look over there because I'm so head down in this and so locked in on the proprietary stuff that we call secret sauce. I didn't even know they were doing it better right over there. So that's a role that can be played by your your newer and, and maybe maybe younger, maybe not. But back to that that comment about being better at the the, the technology side, maybe that's a huge role to play, even though they haven't mastered the, the proprietary yet. Yeah, fresh eyes, new perspective, maybe a little naivete. 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 Well, yeah, I can't even say it, even though you just said it. It's French. But you know, you know, I was intending to use the word. I do. That's right. Yeah, of course. But here, here is my. Devil James over there laughing at you. Devil's <laughs> advocate, which I said I said Evel's advocate last episode and didn't even notice. So here's what I would say about this, which I do I make sure my younger teammates are very aware of. And I I have one younger teammate, God bless. He came in thinking he was gonna change the world in our organization. But he, when you don't, here's where this gets challenging, what you're talking about, deploying that as a younger, newer employee. When you don't know anything about the industry or the organization, you can't identify what would even begin to look helpful. So he, he came in thinking he was going to add all these new protocols and procedures. I'm like, this has nothing to do with our business or stop wasting your time. I need you to learn the foundations and the basics of being a project manager. Right. And, and like I... I, part of me, I didn't want to break his spirit because I loved the coming in, one adding value, like wanting to be creative. But all I wanted him to do was learn how to be a great project manager, the very, very, very basics for two years. Then coming in and bringing in, knowing enough where you could potentially bring. So that's that's a really hard balance. And I, I, I noticed that. So I do want younger employees like to know that it's still 
A1A learn your your become really good at your role and the basics mm -hmm. because you can start tripping on like what's the value I can add and get frantic and like oh my god I want to add something new right and that can disrupt your actual just like learning process of what you were brought in to sure. do yeah squirrel syndrome a hundred percent yeah where with I mean, all the good intention in the world absolutely and up to a and up to a point like you know as employers we recognize that as well intended you're like oh I, I appreciate the effort I see what you're trying to do here. Um, um, but after a while, it can become even disruptive. It goes in the opposite direction. So you, you definitely have to commit to the proprietary component too. Like you have to learn that piece. I mean, so, and to an employer, eventually it becomes super... Uh, frustrating yep. at the end because the job is not getting done. Right. And when that starts to happen, like you have to make a decision. It can't, once you continue to have that conversation, it doesn't work. So I, I just want somebody that's listening to this to be very mindful of that as well. If you can, if you can do a little bit of both, great, but first just like learn your basic role. Right. Well, just by virtue of being in business for seven years or, or 90 years, probably reinventing the wheel isn't necessary. I think maybe there's that's, a, maybe, maybe there's an in-between. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah, could, yeah. You might inflate the tires a little bit or you might uh, find right. some things to, to, right. to, to, to uh, you know, decrease friction in spots, Absolutely. right? Less rolling resistance by inflating the tires, but a, a total redo is probably not necessary or the company would have failed by now. But different. So I just made a, a, a new hire coming in with, um, on the accounting side, Marie coming in with a breadth of very similar experience in the construction, already doing accounting. So she is in a different position coming in because she can immediately make changes. She's already, she already has industry. She's already done this a hundred times a different way. Right. So for her, she can maybe reinvent the wheel a bit more. I don't know that we, well, we could probably use a total overhaul if I'm being honest, but, um, but so you, you know, like just, sure. just recognize where you're coming in and where your most value add is milestones, people milestones but, one at a time. But back to the employer side too. I mean, it, it's incumbent upon us as employers to, 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 to recognize that there is all of that value there and meet closer to the middle versus, no, you're going to have to work your way up to where I am from a proprietary knowledge perspective. You're missing a huge opportunity to leverage their perspective just by virtue of them not being there mm -hmm. that long. So it's really incumbent. I mean, my, my thought of leaving was, wow, I, I need to really be cognizant of um, while we're working with our newer teammates on teaching them the proprietary, how do we? How can we really lean in and leverage all of the other things that they're they're good at? That investigative component that they're really good at. How can we speed their training um, in the proprietary by leveraging how good they are at investigating? Things like that, right? Here, James, go look up Fennec robots. And and then I know you're going to find all their competitors along the way. And I know you're going to find people making things. And you're going to ultimately come across all the people making things. And you're going to come back to me pretty pretty solid. You're going to have an idea of the competitive landscape, the type of jobs that are being done in manufacturing using robots. So there's a piece of that and, and uh, freeing them up to probably have a much more um, – much more direct control over their training and getting up to speed faster. That was one of my big takeaways. Yeah. I, I also would like to congratulate you. Oh. Because you have, without question, set the Guinness Book of World Record in the last 24 hours, 36 hours, 30 hours. Oh, I can't wait to hear what this is. Of using the word proprietary more than anyone. On oh, whatever. This. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Well, congrats. You know, Should I, we go out later and celebrate? 
No, I'm no, I'm no, <laughs> no, because now I don't want to be near you, <laughs> and I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> um, the last, the closing thing, I, I and these people have only listened to it for about fifty six minutes, and you still might have set the record. You know what? And I won't say it again. That's fine. You've cured. Me. I know what you're trying to do is cure me, and no, you have. No, I, mm-hmm. I would have cured you off camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, cure me on camera is exactly what would have cured me, and you know it. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> the last thing I do want to talk about, and I, I want to know how you feel about. Oh no, this. I might be done already. My feelings are hurt. um, So as we're talking about this, the the one thing I've really been thinking about is how you value and reward or regard somebody that's had a lot of tenure within your business. Now, that to me says a lot about loyalty, which I really respect. But I also don't know anymore if I'm going to say like tenure or how long you've been with a company like I don't I don't know if I care if I if I I care I don't know how to put that like I, I I care about loyalty just as much as anyone like that means so much to me the loyalty the trust but if someone comes in that's young and new and is producing at a level that no one else is like I'm not gonna hold them back from climbing the ladder and maybe above somebody else that's been here for 10 years like and this is part of what we're talking about, the ability to do that with the tools available. So as an employer, I'm really looking, because if you're young and you come in and you crush, like, I think you should be rewarded. This goes back to eat eat what you kill mentality and like work hard, produce. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you whether it's compensation or whatever that looks like. We can talk about compensation, what, and you are going to be rewarded for that work. And you might be promoted with a title above somebody else that's been doing this for 10 years. Like, I really do look at it like that. But I never want to disregard somebody who has the put the time and effort and stuck by your side and trusted you, maybe when the company was not doing so well. So how do, how do we work to fi- striking that balance of, I want to motivate the, the kid that's going to come in and crush and, but I also want to be very respectful of the person that's been here that maybe isn't producing the same results. Like, how do you do that? I, I don't, I don't have an answer. So I'm throwing, I'm throwing a question at you unfairly where I don't, I don't have a solution for this. Yeah. I, I, I uh, I'll tell you what has, I'll tell you what I've demonstrated over the years. And, and that is a tricky one because this topic, I mean, can come off cold and callous as hell. But I was being, I just was very honest. No, 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 what no, I no, said, cause no. I and I'm going to, and I'm going to stay on the transparent side too, which could come off cold and callous. And, and 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 I'm okay with that. Um, definitely more in. We're much more in tune with merit versus tenure, right? I mean, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And I will tell you, we have outgrown people. That I think that is part of. I'll say risk. I don't mean in a risky perspective, but that that is. Those are the types of outcomes that can happen as you're growing and you are adopting technology. So we have adopted technology along the way, whether it be a new ERP system or certain certain what I would consider big, big leaps, you know, and, and, um, in early in in 2013, we adopted our current ERP system and we had two people fail out of the organization as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. You know, one, we literally took their green bar paper away 
and it was crushing. It was absolutely bone crushing to not have a green bar report. What? I don't know what that is. It was a pr- yeah, of course you don't. That's exactly my point. But when we would do analysis of purchasing demand, it actually ran on green bar paper, which you probably have to show you a picture I of don't your, know green bar a papers. massive piece of paper that go through this big dot matrix printer and print it out. Mm. Of course you don't know what it is because it has gone by way of the dinosaur for the most part. But that individual, when they can no longer run and have that green paper in their hand and they had to do the analysis on screen, they ultimately left the organization over it. And I would say that person self-selected out, but we would have had to make a move. I mean, their performance dropped off at a level that was just not commensurate with what we needed to do. So, and wasn't willing to put the time in to learn. I just, think that's I mean, important. Just simply couldn't. I mean, it wasn't even there. I mean, we, we went the effort route for quite some time. And then I think simultaneously, we both realized that it wasn't going to work and, and that individual left the organization. So no, I mean, nothing... Nothing is bigger than the mission, period. No one person is bigger than the mission. So while it would be painful and, and I, it, would, it would hurt terribly to, uh, to let someone go that had been long tenured and demonstrated huge loyalty, nothing is bigger than the mission. So I, I want to interject. We're getting long here, but just yeah. a couple more things. I do want to interject that nobody demonstrates nothing's bigger than the mission than you. And I have learned a lot from that. So, Initially, I'm not, I've told you this, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was super cold blooded. I was like, this is not how I'm going to run things. Like I don't, but at the end of the day, you have, this is one employee. You have 75 other ones where you're supporting them and their families and, their and families. everything else. That's and right. and then the over, so that overall mission always has to be a one out. So wh- whether that means a one, a, whether that means firing somebody that you brought in as that was a, a a best friend of yours, family, um, you will do it. Um, um, and, and listen, I, I still like, I, I still have my own thoughts about this, but, but I will say there's, there's a way to do it. And, um, with family, people say, don't, don't hire family. And I have now learned that as long as it's all, you always keep a professional like you and you say, listen, like my, my parents will always tell me, don't bring in that person or don't think about, and I'm like, no, listen, we, we, I have learned, and this is by learning from you how to run a business. And that's when you run it purely professionally, um, it doesn't matter who it is, even if you have to exit them out, like it shouldn't change. It's hard, but shouldn't change that family relationship if you do it right, because It's all about the mission. Everybody knows that from the beginning, and it's all professional. It doesn't always work out like that. It just doesn't. But you have been able to do that. Maybe it's just a lot of practice, but still, I think there are many people that have been doing it as long as you have or longer that are not able to execute like that. In closing, I will I will finish your sentence. I am willing to make that move when it becomes completely evident that there are no other options. And that's when it happens, right? I mean, it's it's when I mean, it's it's not it's not lickety split. It's over a period of time when when it becomes completely evident that there are no other options. And you're right, I have I have parted ways with relatives and I parted ways with best friends in the business because nothing's bigger than the mission. La- very last thing cuz we I I have to 
we have to talk about this. So how do you reward somebody that is really loyal and has stuck by you and the company and is still performing? Maybe they're not the best performer. Maybe they're being outperformed by other people, but they're still doing a good job. How do you recognize that? Because we have to. Um, so fortunately for us, we have a company that's growing and it generally means that we are creating new positions and different types of positions. And in any number of situations, we've had the ability to move that person into a, an adjacent role, a support role, a very important role that's a little bit different than the one they had, or in creating a new position, um, we brought someone in above that individual to take that new role that we have grown into as a company, but maybe that individual wasn't able to grow into on their own. That would be a square that would that would that'd be an answer. Yeah, yeah. That, that would that would be one. There's only two potentials in that moment. Find another place, and if you can't, then you might have to find it. They they might have to exit the organization. So it's it's finding the best fit for them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's always yeah. You'd like to always be square peg, square hole mm-hmm. for sure. Well, that was interesting. We bounced around a little bit more than we uh, we typically do, but I think uh, you know if I had to summarize this back, it would be you know how do you how do you how do you get the best out of everybody in your organization, regardless of how old they are or how long they've been there. And then (laughs) towards the end of our conversation, and if you realize at some point that you're not able to do it, what do you do? How's that? Bang. Soup to nuts. Yeah. All right. Good to see everybody. James, thank you. Great I have job nothing today. in this cup. That's all right. No problem. <laughs> the next time we're going to have, we're, we're going to do a later Isn't that one. bad luck? We're going to do happy hour. I don't know. I don't pay attention to luck. We make our own luck here. Okay, we'll the, have vodka in these next We time. make our luck at the Love and Business content, con, uh, podcast, right? Thank you. Please subscribe. <laughs> yes, we please subscribe. It. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs>